Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture Here, to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet and Sir, we are gathered here to. Uh, we are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about more WWE releases, and uh, this is a subject we've gone over quite a lot over the last year and a bit, and uh, it never gets any easier. News breaking earlier on this week. I should say we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, so the morning after, effectively, the uh, release of eight NXT talents, those being Alexander Wolf, Jasmine Duke, Vanessa Bourne, Ezra Judge, uh, Kavita Devi, uh, Skylar Story, oh, Cycler Story, Skylar Story? I think that's just a misprint here. Uh, and referees Drake Wirtz and Jake Clements, um, first of all, your reaction to this news, because what I'm reading about the rest of WWE, quite a lot of surprise around these. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't like, I feel uncomfortable with releases uh, while we're still in the grip, loosening as it is, of the pandemic. Hmm. Wrestling, uh, wrestling can be a place where releases can happen. These are independent contractors. It's all well and good if you're a really good independent contractor for you to be able to go and find work elsewhere. But there isn't evidence of there being a load of work elsewhere at the moment. The lucky few might make it onto uh, AW's radar and possibly get some work on the dark, dark elevation circuit and maybe even more if they're really good. Um, but the independent scene is hardly thriving again yet. And moreover, who knows when it'll thrive again. Um, just because restrictions are loosened, it doesn't mean that A, they can't be tightened again, or B, um, it'll just magic wand an industry back. WWE put on WrestleMania. AW are selling five and a half thousand tickets to Daly's Place. But have either of these events come with a guarantee that, well, next week on the show, everything's going back to normal? No, of course not. These are special occasion events as we wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for the new normal to look a little bit like the old normal. And I just, 
feel as though from a company that continues to make as much money, it is okay to take a bit of a moral high ground from the outside and be like, well, did you really need to do this now? Mm. Like, think what you want about the skill set of these performers. We've said this, I feel like we caveat this on the last one of these podcasts we did on the one year anniversary of Black Wednesday when they did some more cuts. Um, think what you want about the people that have been released and what you're, as a fan, how you like sort of attached personal worth to them as performers. But think more of people that are close to you that might like be losing their job from a company that doesn't need to sack them in a time when it's really hard to get a new one. Mm. That kind of, for the most part, there's an exception that we're going to get to that feels slightly different, but for the most part, like all of this feels unnecessary right now that I can't pretend that any of these names are flying so high that you can't see why do we have decided to cut bait. Yes, exactly. I think, I think, you know, it's different to them releasing your, your Samoa Joes or, Mickey James or the Iconics or what have you, but nevertheless, needless. I mean, I'm going to ask you why it's happened now. And, you know, there was rumours of these NXT releases happening back in April, as you alluded to there. They've just gone through now for whatever reason that may be. But yet again, it's WWE saying these are cost-cutting measures at a time they don't need to, do they? Let's be perfectly honest here. No, it's bollocks. Cost-cutting is, is, is bollocks. It's complete bollocks. Um, we're not in 1995 where they're getting rid of the water coolers. Like it's it's making more money than ever. It reports to its shareholders once every quarter that it's making more money than ever. Um, television rights have just changed everything. Like even if you discount like that filthy Saudi money, like television rights have just changed absolutely everything about how this company makes money. They are a content factory producing content. And what do they need to produce content? They need a load of wrestlers that can be there at a moment's notice. So they sign up a load of bodies, um, which of course robs the industry of talent. And then it just decides to cut bait. Like they just decide to cut bait when they like, mm. um, regardless of, you know, what, what skills those talent may have. That is, the reason is because they don't want them. And there's nothing, there's nothing fundamentally wrong in a company, a wrestling company, no longer believing a selection of wrestlers to be the best for that company anymore. You can move people on. However, in a company so micromanaged like WWE, where the wrestlers are virtually, like are barely permitted to get themselves over outside of whatever they're told to do, whether that be in their training sessions in the performance center, right up to the promo you cut at WrestleMania, are any of those rain-soaked impromptu promos available to view on the WWE network? No, they're not. You're only watching the WrestleMania ones that they scripted and the ones that they were happy to go mm. out. Nothing you see right up to the very, very top level is anything but carefully controlled by WWE. So when control is so tight, it almost feels unfair on the talents because so many of them are kind of robots. Uh, so many of them are so carefully controlled. If Rhea Ripley was let go tomorrow and the reason given was, and we don't think you're really connecting with your character. Like, that wouldn't be Rhea Ripley's fault, would it? Because we've seen Rhea Ripley be able to connect with an audience with a character of her own. And I just feel like, again, a lot of these names are not that glamorous and feel a little bit unremarkable compared to the ones you listed, the Samoa Joes, the Iconics and the like. But the same issue remains. If this company was better at getting over its talent, more of these talents probably would have gotten over. Or they'd have not been signed in the first place and have gone to try and get over somewhere else. Like... The cream always rises to the top, except in WWE, where they let the cream curdle over and over and over again. 
it's really interesting to read about the, the surprise that, that, that came out of, of this. Uh, I think the red, I think Jake Clements was, was well liked backstage. Jasmine Duke, obviously well liked backstage. We'll get more onto her and, and Alexander Wolf and Duke course is probably the two biggest names here. Uh, also interesting, the story coming out today, um, as reported by Meltzer on Wrestling Reserver Radio, surrounding uh, Ezra Judge, who people said... It's like, what is he, 6'8"? Mm. Compared him to like Lex Luger in his prime. It's maddening that they just go, you, you and you, gone. And, you know, I think, I think one of the stars was moved to Raw or moved to the main roster and never actually utilised, <laughs> which is just bonkers, isn't it? Vanessa Bourne, that was it. It's moved, moved to Raw and SmackDown. Obviously never happened on TV because of, presumably because of the ongoing global bastard. And yet they just... I mean, should you think we should be be concerned that we may get more? Um, possibly. It like there's an element of this that feels a lot like just delayed admin, doesn't it? Mm. These names feel like they belonged on that list that dropped in April ahead of that shareholders meeting that it appeared cynically placed in order to get through before they had various figures to declare. Um, all completely speculative on my part. I want to point out, like maybe maybe there are more to come because they're gonna continue to just do releases and waves now maybe maybe they have looked and thought over the like the next six months we're gonna have to have periods where we do cuts um not only for our own financial gains because that's what they are they're not cuts they're gains um but for motivation of talent that they might believe to be like not putting in the work if you can call it that like maybe there's something to the idea that they're more open to doing releases now because they want to keep performers on their toes on the off chance that you're not nervous enough working <laughs> in WWE. We're going to also make you a little bit job scared because look, we're not afraid to let people go. Um, it's a management method. It's not a very pleasant one. It's certainly yet again, another Vince McMahon type move that you wouldn't really support as a normal human being, but it doesn't <laughs> fill out the realms of possibility that this has all been done just to remind talent. I hate this, but remind talent of their place. Um, I know we're going to get on to them a little bit later on, but like the Alexander Wolf one sticks out a little bit for me because there's something very old school about like it wasn't a burial, let's be honest, but like kicking the guy out of a group on Wednesday and then kicking him out of your company legit on Thursday. It doesn't exactly send him to wherever his next place of work is, hopefully sooner rather than later, with the most momentum. And that, to me, was the most telling reminder that this company can still try and send messages to its existing talent with with decisions like this. Yeah, before we get to, to Wolf and, and Duke in particular, and obviously Drake Works, which we'll get on to, I think we spoke about this at the time with the WWE releases, and I know you're probably just going to dismiss this and say they don't really care, but they must realise... <laughs> The public in the court of public opinion, how this company is more and more getting perceived, you know, for however you feel about AEW, you know, and you know, they, they ain't struggling either. I'd like to point that out, they got a lot of money too, um, regardless of, of being able to put on live shows or what have you. But even you know, they know, and I know they're more of a fledgling company and they haven't got this backlog of, of talent, and or even Deadwood, if you want to say that these are the people, you know, that's what they're getting rid of. But they WWE must know that people think, God, what heartless bastards getting rid of people when they clearly don't need to. Because it's not like you and I are all clued in and have run the numbers and gone, actually, if you work this out, they don't actually need to lose this because they've got <laughs> lots of money. Everyone knows. They love shouting about how much money they make from TV deals. 
So them saying, oh, actually, we had to we had to reach down the back of the sofa to pay some of the talent the other <laughs> week. It's just, it's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Um, inside the court of public opinion, the jury of public opinion sentenced WB to life uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, and they've just not gone to prison. They've not even put the handcuffs <laughs> on. They do not care. Um, so, yes, I didn't just want to say they don't care, but yes, they do not care. They've long held, if anything, um, they've long held public opinion in contempt. I think mm. there is a there is a strong vibe, and I get this from Bruce Pritchard on the Something to Wrestle With podcast, a podcast that used to be so effervescent and full of insight and the smashing of old rumours and the kicking off of new stories that suddenly seems to have gone quite company mandated in the last couple of years. I can't imagine why. But mm. um, like, I get from that podcast the sense that within the walls of WWE, there is still a resentment to that the audience that reflects quote-unquote public opinion by that we mean what people say on twitter not what everybody but what a sizable number of the wrestling media say about wwe's decision making and perhaps trying to trying to remember that there are human beings behind the corporate branding and then thinking to yourself well if there are human beings they must be superhuman for making these decisions so it's easier just to tar it all with the oh it's just wwe brush because hmm. if there isn't like one guy at the top and several other just below him making that making these fairly sort of callous life-changing decisions for people well 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 below them on the pecking order um they're not bothered um they continue to immunize themselves from people's negative thoughts about them with cash ironically more and more cash the cash they pretend not to have when they sack wrestlers there's a hole in my bucket adam wilborn adam wilborn there's a hole in my bucket in my bucket a hole 
a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's talk about the big releases then. Specifically, uh, as you mentioned, Alexander Wolf and, and Jesamyn Duke. We'll get to Duke in a second, but it was surreal seeing that name on social media uh, last night, mainly because we were there going, I mean, I was, I was this close in our notes for the NXT review to writing, what's next for Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane? Because it felt like, you know, whether it be a, a reuniting or a reworking of sanity or whatever it was, like that was... It's so weird, WWE stories, where I go, cool, what's the next chapter? And they go, no, that was the end. Thanks for, you know, night, sleep well. It's mad, madness sometimes. But, um, yeah, he was he was particularly surprising. We'll get to Duke because she was just as surprising in my book in a second. But, yeah, Alexander Wolf, surreal that they, like, well, not surreal. Like you say, very in keeping with the way they do it. But, yeah, here he is on NXT TV, front and centre, gets kicked out of a group and he's gone, what? 24 hours later at most. Yeah, really strange. Um, it's not uh, the first time that we've seen something like this. Uh, we did a podcast recently didn't we, where we just talked about how Emma worked on Raw, getting Asker over and then was like, oh, giving her walking papers just days later. Um, and there's been like loads more. It's just a, a one that springs to mind because it's recent. Um, sad, if nothing else, because it's not very nice to relate the story of getting booted out of a stable to the reality of getting sacked from your yeah. job. That's just a bit unpleasant. It just feels a bit icky, to be honest. Um, and yeah, like you say, it certainly didn't feel like the end of a story. We can, it's WWE. So where I agree with you, sort of the indignation about the idea, oh, so that's the story over, is it? Uh, <laughs> they do that at least once a week on Raw. So like that's <laughs> something we're, we're sadly very used to. But yeah, me too. I thought that, the, um, I thought that this was... I wasn't pining for a sanity reunion particularly, but it certainly felt like that was where it was going mm. anyway. Like the idea was that like him and Dane didn't really want to fight. He had this, it was an angle. It was, it was an actual angle that time had gone into. They did that thing last week where Wolf was like saying he was too ill to fight. Mm. And that seemed to like clue Imperium in that he may not be quite all about the cause. So Imperium had booted him out when it turns out he didn't want to hit his old friend with a chair. Like that's a story. I don't know how much juice was left in the fruit, but there was still some to squeeze. Mm. And now he's gone. And he's not gone because he's gone down injured, like what happened with Ridge Bloody Holland when they had to pivot. He's just gone because he's no longer works for that company. It's a very weird sensation. Samoa Joe was the commentator of Raw. He wore a poncho next to Michael Cole at WrestleMania and he was just gone. And they don't go like, oh, we've got somebody new on the desk on Raw this week. It's just Samoa who? Anyway, Raw rolls on. Switching gears. Um, mm. That's all that happens in there. They'll just switch gears in the story if they want to carry on. If Imperium want to have a match with Dane and Drake Maverick, they'll just say, well, we've got rid of the Deadwood. So now we're ready to fight you without any, without having to look over our back in case we were going to get stabbed in it or something like that. That's it. That's the entire bit of that story dealt with in their mind. And on they go. It is the machine that um, is full of rust, but for some reason continues to chug on and on and on and on, regardless of if you switch out some of the parts. The little engine that shouldn't, basically. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, let's talk a bit about Jasmine Duke. Uh, I will get my rage about, I mean, I think it was, 
I mentioned this in a podcast the other day with uh, Nicholas. Yeah, it is. It's Pollard's right up. Andrew Pollard, one of our great writers uh, who covered this story last night, uh, mentioning the fact that they just had the eight horsewomen and went, yeah, let's not bother with that. Putting that to one side briefly, I think I, Andy was telling me the other day, or we, maybe we were talking about it, regardless, about how she's been transitioning and doing some more, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, so surreal that we were like, okay, well, yeah, Shayna will go up to the main roster. And then when, when they're ready or when they decide that they want to shift it a little bit, they'll have Shafir and, and Duke go up. And then you've got, you know, Ronda Rousey waiting in the wings after the impregnation vacation. Um, but no, I mean, and then, you know, I've heard things, people saying, oh yeah, they just want her to go off and do some other stuff. And she'll probably be back in, in three months or six months, she could, you know, be like Zelina Vega and make a tr- triumphant return very sooner than you think. But again, such a weird, weird series of events with her. Yeah. Um, I think what was saddest of all, like lamenting on Jessamine Duke's career in the past tense feels weird because so much of it hadn't yet happened. Mm. Um, and yet she'd done enough along with Marina Shafir to, in my opinion, justify promotion to the main roster with Shayna Baszler. They were, remember how we used to talk about the Undisputed Era as a promotion, as an act, rather than just, oh, when's Adam Cole going to get the call or whatever? It was always my kind of belief that Shayna Baszler would have been best served going up with um, the horsewomen alongside her. They were a, like a really cool part of her act as that as that act matured in NXT. Um, you remember the days of them kind of like being her... Um, MMA style cheerleaders as she walked to the ring. Um, all mouth, absolutely no trousers. Shayna wore all the trousers and would have to do all the fighting for them because they couldn't fight their own battles in an NXT ring. And that, that, that was like an enjoyable element of the act, slapping Shayna's belt and rubbing her shoulders and being like, you got this, you got this. And it's yeah. like, well, she better, have, she better have it because if she hasn't, you two are doomed. Uh, it was That was really funny, like old school sort of pro wrestling heat. Um, and the idea you assumed was in the background at the multi-gazillion dollar performance centre, they were developing into competent pro wrestlers. We never saw a great deal of evidence to suggest that had happened, but theoretically that's how that should work. Tons and tons and tons of exposure in front of live crowds, understanding who you are as a character, and then you surprise people with a few tag matches where you're like, oh, well, these have gotten it. This has clicked. Um, Maybe because we never saw any of it, that all the evidence that was happening in that gym in Orlando was that they just weren't getting it. You know, maybe it's as like, I hasten to call it earnest, but maybe the decision has been made that Jessamine Duke just wasn't getting it, capital Mm. I, to the same extent that, and they will be compared, whether it's fair or not, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler did, you know, and they've made that decision there. The the fact that it's interesting to note that she was moving to other roles because obviously the Performance Centre can facilitate those, and yet she was still deemed surplus to requirement seems odd. Um... What what's going on with Marina Shafir? Her mm. resignation on screen alongside with Roderick Strong, based on the Alexander Wolf precedent, doesn't look good, does it? Mm-hmm. Um, one would worry now slightly that she could be next. And yeah, I, I don't feel like we can really leave this topic alone without our own personal lamentings of the, the lost four horsewoman horsewoman match. Um, I tweeted about this last night. I will forever be cross with WWE for not booking it as the main event of the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania 35. Um, all of the alignments were perfect. You had Ronda as a heel, 
Shayna Baszler yet to be called up as a heel. Um, Duke and Shafir are Shayna's best mates who could easily back Ronda as well. This whole idea that like, oh, they were rubbish, they were no good. You've got an eight women tag and six of them can go. You can absolutely hide two inexperienced wrestlers in an eight-woman tag where six of them can go. Oh, and four of them just happen to be the four, four horsewomen. Shayna Baszler is amazing and Ronda Rouse is a prodigy. I think he probably could have gotten away with Duke and Shafir in that match. Bailey and Sasha were the tag champs and the whole story would have been all we've got to do is stop Becky and Charlotte from infighting and we'll win this match. We'll win it easily. And they can't do it. They can't stop Becky and Charlotte from infighting. Ronda Rousey wins, puts hands together saying, this was piss easy. I'll see you both at WrestleMania. And there's a triple threat built up to it as well. Like, they had it. They never did it. They lost it. Like, people wanted Survivor Series matches. Like, fine, too. That would have been just as fun. Down the road, the more experience that the other two horsewomen get. Uh, it's gone now. And it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Not even. Like, Rousey might never come back. Pleased, obviously, that like her impregnation vacation has ultimately been successful. Um, hard to imagine Becky Lynch working a full-time schedule. She might, but it's, it's hard to imagine at this point or that she would want to. She earned big when she could um, and may want to just enjoy time with her child now. Um, yeah, it's gone. It's definitely gone. I said this with Nicholas on the podcast. I said, I had this problem with the Summer of Punk. And I went, don't worry, they're going somewhere with this. I know we haven't got the thing that we want, <laughs> but this. And then it finishes and you go, wait a second, what was, what, why didn't that happen back there then? Yeah. Like you say, it's infuriating. You've covered everything there. Let's, let's conclude here by talking. Uh, and it's a difficult subject, obviously, about uh, referee Drake Mertz, because he has been the talk of, you know, wrestling wrestling Twitter and, and, and wrestling online for quite some time now for his uh, political uh, and, and well, other opinions. It was a matter of time, really, wasn't it, for him? Yes, I think so. Um, the, I'll just go back a little bit. I, we're doing a wrestling podcast. It's often typically very lighthearted. I am not going to fake knowledge about QAnon or about the every single specific of the details of what Drake Wirtz has obviously become deeply, deeply invested and embedded in. That world seems uncomfortable from the outside point of view. It seems to be, I've read articles about how these very, very deep rooted conspiracy, we can call them conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. but it's obviously the people that believe in these conspiracy theories. They are very literally tearing families apart because there are people within families that get so hooked on these conspiracy theories that they find themselves in disagreement with other family members because Mm -hmm. those other family members deem this to be wild and be like insane that you would even speculate along those lines. But Drake Wirtz is obviously part of that world. There's been um, Mm anti-masking takes that are, you know, that are controversial and divisive and difficult to pass. The pandemic has thrown up things like anti-masks, anti-vaxxers and, Look, I don't think I need to sort of sit on the fence too much about my takes on both of those things, wear a mask and get vaccinated. But if you're the type of person that doesn't believe those things and has your own beliefs for those, um, you are very aware that you are likely to find opposition virtually everywhere you go. And it's how you cope with that opposition and it's how you try and talk to people on the same level and not alienate those people if you choose to espouse those opinions. What's less I don't want to say justifiable. What's less easier to sort of brush off is these, like there's a racist element to it as Mm -hmm. well. 
yeah it appears there's a lot of bigotry attached to some of these conspiracy theories that drake Wirt has loudly espoused and you hear these stories of getting into loud altercations with people that he used to consider friends friends that can no longer attach themselves to drake Wirt, which again speaks to this idea that these conspiracy theories are tearing at the fabric of long-held relationships drake Wirt is a guy that was like an indie darling you know that was when he yeah. made it to WWE as a retired wrestler, a lot of fans that loved him in the deathmatch scene were like, well, that's nice. Like he wasn't it like he gave his body for, for this cause and he wasn't able to make millions out of it. And now he's got this job probably for life. He's the NXT head referee. It looks on the outside to be a fairly cushy deal. And he's deemed all of this very strange stuff to be more important. Um, I think it's sad. Mm, Legitimately, yeah. I think it's sad. I, I like it's easy to pile on Drake Wirtz, and I understand why Twitter, especially as a mechanism, will do so. Um, people can have some fun dunking on it. Racism is there to be mocked and castigated, and people should be called on it. Like people should be absolutely called on any kind of like any kind of hate speech or anything like that. The QAnon stuff, like he very possibly needs help or guidance in his life away from whatever it is that he's become obsessed with. Like, I feel uncomfortable ripping into somebody. Yeah. For what is, on the outside, again, from my limited knowledge of that, looks very much like somebody being taken in by a cult. And, I, like, that's that's as far as I'm willing to, like, kind of stick my neck out on it. But, I don't know, I, I, it just seems sad all round if you take out the fact that, there's been other people that have been like deeply, deeply affected by his actions that maybe he has to suffer some consequences for. Yeah, really awful, awful scene. Yeah, as I said, we're recording this on Thursday, and, and even now, there's more and more stories coming out. Uh, he was uh, demoted, passed over positions, banished from the performance center for a period of time. You mentioned the the issues he's had. He had an issue with Ezra Judge, apparently almost getting physical. Mm. Uh, around uh, his opinions. Uh, Fightful Select uh, had an interesting report on this, as did Spectrum Sports' uh, John Alba. At least 10 wrestlers informed uh, Fightful Select that they didn't feel safe or comfortable around NXT's former head referee. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there was the the report a while back, I think David Bixenspan shared that clip of him ringing up a a county meeting regarding child sex trafficking and people wearing COVID masks somehow being linked. Uh, I think the, the personification of this is what Andy writes here, nuclear heat backstage, you know, as of all the, of all the releases, his is without doubt the least surprising one. Yesterday, um, Bixen Span, like I, I just want to mention this because I, I want to be very careful and I want to be explicitly clear that, in no way am I justifying or vindicating like his particularly like some of his more bigoted and racist actions. They're, 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 they're very separate things here. He, the Bixen Span reported that he'd apparently stormed out of a diversity inclusion meeting that was taking place within WWE while the George Floyd protests were going mm-hmm. on. Like stormed out of it. Um, I would personally argue, I, I don't know employer rights, I would argue that would be a sackable offence. Like I think that sort of, those sort of actions do not belie that of a of a sound thinking individual, regardless of your personal or political takes. Um, yeah, it's 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 really sad. Um, I imagine that there are a lot of colleagues that feel better that he is not around, and that's what I mean when I say it's sad. 
Mm. It's sad that a person's life has devolved to such a degree that people that would have once considered him a friend are now glad he's not around. That's mm. that's the sad element of it. If he had to go, which it sounds like he did, then it's probably good that he's gone. Mm. Well, let us know your thoughts on all of these releases. We'll obviously keep you posted on any developments as and when they come. Uh, what Culture Wrestling on YouTube for the very latest on that. But let us know your thoughts on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.